0: Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Roger Report podcast in association with the Sonic Community Soup Kitchen. It's Gav back after Sunderland's nil-nil epic draw at Turfmoor against Burnley on Friday night. You join us, uh, we've had a bit of a weekend so we've, we've taken our time to react to this one. Uh, it was a nice, it feels like a win but it wasn't a win. It feels as, almost as glorious as a win which is why I'm feeling really happy and bubbly and chatty today. Uh, joining us is Phil. Hello Gav. And also here is Martin. Hiya, mate. Hello, mate. How's it going? Not bad. Not bad. So, Sunland drew away at Burnley, like I said. Might not sound like a particularly inspiring game, Phil. A 0-0 draw away at Turf Moor against Burnley, a side who traditionally aren't the type of team you turn your TV on to watch on a Friday night. Yeah. But they've changed. They're under a new manager. They're top of the league. They've been cruising all season. But you could probably argue that Sunderland have ran them as close as anyone this season. We were 2-0 up in the first game early in the season at the Stadium of Light and obviously capitulated after that. And then this one became the the first team not to concede against Burnley in the league. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, the stat was that Anthony Patterson is the first goalkeeper to keep a clean sheet there since Edison in the Premier League. So, yeah, I mean, I said there, didn't I? I felt a bit like a win just because of how well we played. And, you know, like I say, we're looking at the scoreline. Might think well, that wasn't a particularly great game of football, but you could even sense in the commentator as after the game and the the analysis that the the ex players did and stuff that everybody who watched it actually really enjoyed it because it was a bit of a it was a bit of a tussle wasn't it it was a a team really trying to break down a, an impressive defensive unit, yeah, and this was Sunderland at our best in my view you know it's not always about scoring the silky goals and taking teams apart with our football sometimes it's about this it's the same way we played at Norwich. And it is good to watch, isn't it? So it was a good result in the end for us.
2: Oh, absolutely, Gav. I thought it was an excellent result. And I think, you know, it was a result that really concluded a run of tough fixtures, you know, from which we've emerged with some creditable results, some good points on the board and a real sense of optimism again. So, yeah, I think, you know, just to wrap up that run of games with a draw against Burnley was excellent. But I thought it was a great game, Gav. I have to be honest, I really enjoyed watching it. I thought it was a really interesting game to to compare the two styles of the teams. You know, we went there with a real game plan went there to be compact went there to work very very hard which we knew we were going to have to do but like norwich we knew that they were going to have the line share of possession we knew that we were going to have to be disciplined in and out of possession i thought we we did that absolutely perfectly everyone in the team knew their role everybody was on the same page it was a real team performance there was a real togetherness about them i thought we looked really motivated as well they looked really up for the game you know they, obviously we had mm. a, a good travel and support there as well who were really giving them strong backing you know going into the game we knew that burnley were going to be you know, try and play some good football. We know that's how they like to play under company. They've got some great attacking players. And I think the question was, you know, could we get through that initial maybe 20 minutes without conceding and then use that as a foundation on which to build, which we did. So set against a backdrop of injury problems, you know, the lack of Ross Stewart, you know, Corey Evans being out and all the rest of it. It was just a really, really impressive performance. And it told me that those players are still highly
0: motivated for the remainder of the season, which is really encouraging. Yeah, what do you reckon, Martin? Do you think that's right? I, I would agree with Phil. I think we saw a really motivated, driven team out there who I think like playing against top teams. They like playing against the better sides. We always seem to up our game away from home against them. Again, just a, a top performance, really, wasn't it, defensively? It was
1: a great performance, I thought. And, you know, as, as Phil said, it was a different type of performance to some of the, the you know, the more flowing football games that we've seen, I think it's that thing, isn't it, where we're not expected to break teams down, the, the onus isn't on us to take the game to somebody else, it's reacting to the other team to, to some extent, it's looking for opportunities on the counter-attack, which we we almost got there, didn't we, Amad hit the, um, the bar via a deflection in the second half, um, which was probably the closest that either side came, I just thought it was a really even game, if you were watching it, you wouldn't say this team's running away with the league and this team's you know, around mid-table looking to get in the playoffs. I thought it was a very even game. Um, Vincent Company was pretty um horseman's praise of, of Sunderland after the game. He said we were a good side, excellent side. I think it augurs well for the future. I think, you know, we saw some performances in there that were, you know, a little bit rusty in, in some respects, particularly Equa, who grew into the game, and I thought did pretty well overall. And as Phil says as well, with the injuries that we've got, and it's not just a big name once, you know, Dan Ballard was missing. We had Lyndon Gooch playing his first game since January at left back. We sort of patched up a side together. You know, Misha was left out because he only got back to the squad, I think, on Thursday night. Ahmad only returned to the team on, on Thursday night. So it was very much a last-minute team. And again, the, the attitude and the focus to go out and be that solid. And, you know, I think O nine typifies how we played. And I think that mentality of just wanting to prove ourselves against better sides, like we did against Fulham, you know, 0-9 typifies that in spades, doesn't he? He always wants yeah. to prove himself against better teams, better players, and, you know, that ethos has kind of rubbed off on the whole side. So, no, it was it was great, and again, it's always that what-if, isn't it? If we had Ross Stewart up front, mm-hmm. we win that game, to my mind. I think mean, this season's going to be the what-if season, isn't it?
0: It is, it is, but for me, I don't let that sort of cloud my opinion of the games because I was talking sort to of made about this the other day like I think although we we all agree that the amount of injuries we've had have been probably detrimental to a degree to results and you know we probably would have scored a lot more we might have turned some of the draws into wins what have you if we'd had a Stuart or or a Sims up front at the same time this is a development team and one thing they're absence and it's you know not just them two by the way you know the, the one we always talk about was roster but obviously cory evans massive player for us this year he's dropped out but what that's done is is it's given other players who might not have had a chance to play as much as they have done the chance to show what they can do like i don't think for one minute that Edouard michu would have played anywhere near as much if Corey evans had been fit and now i'm sitting here talking about him and thinking. Two and a half million, you'd snap your arm off for him. Oh, that's, that's absolutely right. Whereas in December, I was happy to let him go back to Paris. There's been quite a bit of that where, although players have been missing and we've rued that, I also think long-term, we probably will see the benefit of the fact that so many players have been injured. It sounds strange to say that. Not just talking about kids, but Luke O'Neill, for instance, You know, he's played games where others have been injured and then, to me has proven himself is a really good championship player, mainly as a defender. And I look at things like that, and I'm just like, sometimes things work out for the best anyways. I was one of the people who was sat there with me hand up going, I would love to be in the playoffs this year. And we still might be. You know, it's not, it's not completely dead. But I was one of those people who, who said, I, you know, I, I would really like us to finish the season strongly, go for the playoffs. And if we get promoted, then it is what it is. But now I sit here and I think, well, Everything that's happened this season has built up to where we are now. And obviously, I'm looking at it and thinking, well, I'm actually really happy with how things have worked out. Obviously not happy we've lost players through injury, but it has created opportunities for others. And it's not been the end of the world, really. What do you think of the impact that the injuries and the missing players has had on the rest of the team? When you look at, say, the performance on Friday, and you've got 9 standing out playing in defence, where Ballard might have started. You've got Gucci playing left-back, as Martin said. Hadn't played since January, comes that left back, it's man of the match. Yeah. And and things like that. You know, it, it does create a lot of opportunities still, though, doesn't it?
2: It does. And I think that the thing is, you know, you've got to remember here, Gav, that this is a team that, you know, is incredibly unified and they're incredibly selfless. There's some real good characters in this team. It's a Sunderland team that I really, really like. Not just the footballing ability, but the way they conduct themselves and the way they carry themselves as well. I think, you know, just in the case of 09, for example, I think that because he was there with us through the darkest days of the League One era. The Wembley defeats and the defeats to the, the, you know, the, the absolute dross of the league and so on and so forth. I think he's embraced the, the championship with even more ferocity because he's desperate to make an impact and he's desperate to help this club get back to where it wants to be. So I think what Martin said there was absolutely right. All 9 really does typify the adaptability and the kind of selflessness of this squad. But you're absolutely right, is that, you know, what we've, what we've done, uh, you know, we know that Tony Morber has been bemoaning the injury problems, and possibly rightly so, because they have hit us quite hard. But what he's also done is he's used that, and he's kind of flipped it around, to give opportunities to, to his fringe players, and to say, look, here Player X is out, you've got a chance now, go in there, show me what you can do, and you'll strengthen your case for selection going forward. And I think Pierre Ecois really was it was a case in point. I mean, I think when we saw his name on the team sheet on Friday night, there was a bit of a, There might have been a bit of an intake of breath because you're thinking, you know, Christ, Burnley, formidable home record, best in the league. Equa's still quite raw. He hasn't had a lot of minutes. How is he going to cope with this? And I have to say, Gav, I thought, you know, I wrote an article on this and I think that, you know, I'll back up my point there. But I think the way Equa handled himself in that game on Friday, even though it wasn't quite happening for him in part, you know, he had a few bad touches, played a few misplaced passes in in the first half. He didn't shirk away. He didn't hide. He held himself together. He kept his head up and he kept going. And that, to me, bodes really, really well because, you know, the championship for him is a completely alien league. You know, it's totally different to what he's been used to. He's obviously still settled in at Sunderland as well. You've got to bear that in mind. And I think the attitude he showed on, on Friday night was really, really impressive. And I, I don't think Tony Mowbray will have failed to notice that as well. I think, you know, we know that Mowbray likes to give the youngsters their chance whenever possible. But I think for him, it's not just about what they do with the ball at the feet. It's about the attitude they show, the qualities they espouse and so on and so forth. And I think Ekwa did that. But, yeah. Martin's talking about you know the season of what-ifs, and I think that's absolutely fair. You know, what if Ellis Sims had been there for the whole season? What if Ross Stewart hadn't been hit by injuries and so on? But what the players have done is they've got their heads down and they've kept going forward. So I think that if we want to get promoted in the near future, what we've got to do is we've got to go through these challenges, like the challenge that Burnley set us on Friday night. You learn from that, you take the experience, and you use it to better yourself. And I think the players are absolutely going to do that. So, yeah... Frustrating with the injuries, but it's opened up huge windows of opportunity for the players, and many of them have taken the chances.
0: Yeah, and like like Phil said, there Martinet was the one who came in in the midfield. I totally agree with Phil. I think you know you, you can't deny that some of his passes were off at times, but in general, I thought his performance was great. I love the way he had he held himself in the midfield, used his body physically to retain possession. He played that fantastic pass to Roberts. And again, as I go back to my other point, O nine and Gooch playing a starring role in defence when maybe in, in other circumstances they might not have started that game. It all adds up to maybe, you know, we're looking ahead possibly to next season for these players and thinking, you know, this might not have been such a bad thing that they've been given these opportunities and there's going to be more as the season goes on for other players too.
1: Well, oh, you, you take the positives out of any situation, don't you? So as you say, those um, injuries have opened doors up to, to a number of players to get chances that they might not have and, I think especially with the younger players that we've got in the squad, we'll see the benefit of that next season because they'll have experience that they might not have got otherwise and you know, they'll be stronger, more experienced and, and more adapted to how we want to play. And I think Pierre Ekwal was is one of those. And I think, to me, you look at him playing on, on Friday night against Burnley and look, nobody's saying he, he turned in a, a star performance. Nobody was saying he was a 10 out of 10. And he did give the ball away a few times, especially in the first half. But you can, to me, like, you can see the attributes of a really, really, really good player. And the thing I like about him, like, if you watch him, when he receives a ball, nine times out of ten, he doesn't immediately play the way he's facing. He'll turn and look, you know, take a touch, turn, and look to change the direction of the game and the flow of the game, look to open the team up on the other side. And I think that's the sort of quality that we've been missing in our midfield for quite a while. I think, you know, I think Mishu's an excellent player, and I think he'll grow and grow. And if, look, if he's available for £2.5 million in the summer, you sign him up, it's an absolute no-brainer. Because I think he'll get better and better. But often, Mishu is a very neat player who will sort of knit, the, knit the passes together, knit the team together, and he, he usually plays in the direction he's facing, whereas Equal takes the ball, turns, and looks to change. And I think the two of them, with Dan Neil, of three of them, maybe in the future in the three-man midfield, could be superb. I think the thing with Equa is you, you look at him, you go, there's, there's not an intensity to his game yet. He's, he's kind of strolling around a little bit. And I think that comes from um, playing so much youth team football. <laughs> I think Tony Mowbray has said it. He said like Ek, Ekwa is a player that you can tell has just been told in his youth games, sitting midfield and ping the ball about. And he hasn't had that, like, that need to be really sort of 100% drive desire and really throw himself into games. He's sort of played games to develop rather than playing a game to win in that 90 minutes. And I think we'll start seeing more and more of that from Ekwa. And if he can get that bit right, which he will, because that just comes from playing proper football to my mind. Yeah. We will have a bloody good centre midfield player on our hands because he's so different to the other centre midfield players that we've got.
0: Yeah, I, I, I do hold high hopes for him. I just, I like the look of them. I, I, I'm I'm a bit like this with most of the young lads. Like they've, they've all got something. There's a reason that we brought them here. There's a reason that they're so highly rated. And it's it's about whether you give them the chance to actually express themselves, isn't it? I know that a lot of fans would prefer us to sign the finished article already. And the thing with the with the EKWA and the benefit of an EKWA is that you don't know how good he's actually going to be. He could be a dud. They all could be, but. There are the raw materials there to suggest, well, if we put him in the right team with the right coach who's going to give him patience and time and opportunities, then he'll fulfil his potential with Sunderland.
1: Every every player like that who we bring in is, go, is a gamble to some extent, but it's, a, it's going to be an educated gamble based on the research that the scouting team and everybody's done on them, right? And yes, it's up to us to, to an extent to give them chances to develop, give them exposure to first-team football. But it's up to them as well to take that chance and to work on those bits of the game that aren't quite spot-on at the moment. And it's got, they've got to have the right attitude as well. And I think all of the young players that we've seen, who we've brought in, seem to have a good mentality, seem to have a good attitude and seem to want to to improve. And I think, you know, we've talked about before, haven't we? It's a different situation to bring in a 27-year-old finished player who's at their peak. You know, these players that we've got, they'll turn in 20-minute performances like Equa had in the first half where he miss-hit two or three passes. And we've got to kind of overlook that as long as overall they're playing well and developing and heading in the right direction. And they'll have peaks in the performances. They'll have troughs in the performances. They'll turn in some 9 out of 10 games. They'll turn in some 4 or 5 out of 10 games. And that's absolutely natural for players who are 18, 19, 20, 21 to do. But what you hope and what should happen, and what I think will happen, is over time, and we're talking in short periods of time rather than long periods of time, those 8 out of 10, 9 out of 10 performances become more and more frequent, and the 4 and 5 and 6 out of 10 performances become fewer and fewer. So like I think <laughs> we've talked about before and we've talked about it loads. It's such a, an exciting prospect if it all comes off, or even if 80% of it comes off, you know we've got like mm. Lahaji who we've barely seen, but you you look at his background and his pedigree, and you know he was wanted by Barcelona before he got crocked. Like there's players like that who you think there's a bloody good player in there, and we haven't had the chance to see him yet. You know there's so much opportunity and potential. Like
0: yeah, there was there was quite a bit of talk online as well when the um, news came out that Brighton were going to allow Billy Gilmore out on loan next season. Straight away, that, that sort of lit up the eyes of Sunderland fans because, like, ooh, another wonder kid that we might want to take off the hands of a of a Prem side. And that, That's sort of the attitude we've got now. People are really excited about what could we possibly do with this young player and how can we make them better. And I mean, I just plucked Gilmore there, but there's probably quite a few players right now we're looking for in, for the summer who are just like the lads we've already signed from the 21 sides of the Prem teams who... they're they're probably good enough to be playing first-team football, but they're probably of an age where those clubs are looking at them and thinking, you probably need to go somewhere else to do that because we're not going to give them that opportunity here. And that's obviously where we come in. That's where the likes of Sirkin and Jack Clark and players like that have came to Sunderland, is that they're of an age where they need to be playing and they're not going to get it at the parent club. Speaking of Sirkin, actually, he was back involved at the weekend, Phil, Good to see him back, wasn't it? Because I was a little bit worried about that one. I wasn't sure really what was going on. It was pretty quiet, like, around the sort of injury he had. We know it was relating to that concussion he picked up months ago now, where he, he basically yeah. came back into the team sort of a week or so later, didn't he, off the bench, and then was missing again up until Friday night. So great to see cirkin back, because he's one who, early in the season, was fantastic for us, and... He's probably had a couple more injury issues than we thought he might, given his age. But yeah, great yeah. to see him back. He needs to have a good run at the end of the season, really, doesn't he, so that he's ready for next year? Yeah, I mean,
2: it was a fearful blow that he took at Millwall, by the way, in scoring that equaliser from George Long, their goalkeeper. I mean, he absolutely KO'd him. You know, it was a, it was a brutal, brutal collision. not about putting your head in where it hurts. But yeah, great to see him back, Gav. Like I said, you know, and it's, you know, I think he's a player who... As you say, you know, we need he hopefully he can get a good run of games between now and the end of the season. I don't think he can take any chances. You know, you know, concussion is in football nowadays. There's been a lot of cases where players have come back on when they shouldn't have and all the rest of it. And I don't think he can take the chances with a young player like Sirkin. So if the club feel that he's fit to go, that's that's great. You know, it, it's good to see him back. But you know, just if I can just pick up on the point you made there about giving players from Premier League clubs, you know, another chance at Sun. I think that's absolutely right. You know, there's been a lot of kind of argument that it's turning this into a feeder club, but I don't necessarily think that's the case, Gav, because the perception of Sunderland now is that of a football club where the development of a young player can really be accelerated and helped rather than hindered. I know there have been one or two exceptions to the rule, uh, but generally, you know, a lot of the youngsters we've brought in over the over the past two years have have, have really progressed and really developed. And I think you mentioned Jack Clark there when he first arrived, he was very raw, he lacked discipline. And even now, he still can be a little bit erratic, but he's definitely improved his game at Sunday, and that's only come through regular game time, the backing of his manager, and so on and so forth. So, yeah, I think it's really good, Gavin. You know, what an opportunity for these youngsters as well to come and play for a club like ours. Because, we're you know, we are a big fish in the championship. You've been banging this drum for quite some time. We're a very, very big fish in the championship. We should be an attractive prospect for young players to come and play for us. To give them that chance to grow as a team, I think that's absolutely spot on. Just pick up what Martin said there. Keeping this team together and adding quality where needed, keeping the core of this team together and allowing them to develop and grow with patience mm. could yield brilliant results for us over the coming years. So I think what we need to do is, you know, we do need to remember, and again, Martin's absolutely spot on on this, is that they will have peaks and troughs in form. They will have ups and downs where they're not quite on it, where, you know, their confidence might be a little bit low and they need to be taken out of the firing line for a little bit. But then they'll also come on, as the bar did at Norwich, for example, make a great impression and really give us something to be excited about. So I think patience is going to be key, Gavin. I think it is starting to filter through now to the wider fan base. They are starting to realise that these kids do need time and backing. But again, the end result could be absolutely spectacular for us, without a doubt.
0: Yeah, Phil mentioned the the core of the team and keeping it together there, Martin. It was interesting on that point that Alex Pritchard, a player who, to me, hasn't had a great season all in. Uh, He actually played really well on Friday, I thought. I, I thought the way that he led the press from the front was fantastic. That that off-the-ball work that you need to see from your most experienced players when you're trying to basically lead a team of young players, it was all there with Pritchard. And it, I guess the frustrations being for me that he hasn't shown that enough this season, but it does raise the, the point, doesn't it, that the season's nearly over. His contract's coming up soon, I think. Is that a player you want to keep around going forward? Just some thoughts on his performance, I guess, and where he goes from here because we saw this with Lyndon Gooch last year didn't we when we saw him turn up his performances several notches and he ended up earning a contract out of it could be similar for Pritchard couldn't it it could and look I think
1: we saw on Friday night Pritchard at his uh, part of his best really obviously he um his best is being creative and getting on the ball and slipping players in and, and all that sort of stuff but we've we've always sort of given him high praise for that off-the-ball work that he does, which surprised us when he first came to the club because we didn't expect a player to do all of that sort of donkey work up the top end of the field. And he was a bit disappointed to come off, I think, wasn't he? He, he thought he could have added something else to the to the game in the final 20 minutes yeah. or so. And look, he, he played well, and I think he's he's had a bit of a stop-start season, hasn't he? He's, he's had a few injuries, been in and out the side, and obviously with Clark, Ahmad, and Roberts to choose from, he's more often than not found himself on the bench when he's been coming back from injury too whether we we give him a new contract or not I think it's it's going to be an interesting one to see how we actually play this side of it because we actually had a letter into the the website this week somebody talking about you know what is the model we've we've never actually been told what the the model is and we've talked about the model haven't we and maybe each of us have our own perceptions on on what it is based on bits that we've put together that have been put out in public because I, I think it's fair that The club have never come out and said, this is exactly what we are going to do from A to B, C to to D. But they've talked about it sort of in in part, we can kind of piece it together. And and obviously bringing in those younger players and developing them and either keeping them and them flourishing with us or them flourishing with us and we cash in on them to reinvest is a, a major part of it. But the other big part of it, and I think it was talked about more probably earlier on, is having a core group of four or five senior players and obviously we've got Corey Evans now we've got Ross Stewart who you could class as senior player Luke 09 Lyndon Gooch is there Bailey Wright is on loan at Rotherham now but he's got a contract next season with us and, and Alex Pritchard's one of those experienced players and it's it's going to be really interesting how we actually move that side of it because to me Having all these young players in is brilliant and we've got to develop them, but you've got to have that smattering of experience, you know, when things aren't going right, when you know things are a little bit tough on the field and off the field. That's how those younger players are going to learn more quickly and develop more quickly. You've got to have that to balance it out. And to me, those senior players have got to be first team players. There's little use in having them on the bench, on the periphery, because the the younger players haven't got those people to look up to on the field. So if you look towards next season, you go, Well, who are the experienced players who are going to be first choice? And apart from Ross Stewart, you'd struggle to say absolutely without without hesitation, this player, this player, this player is going to be a first choice player. Luke 9 like to me, Luke 9 you'd put him on the first, you know, on the first team sheet every every week, and then you'd see where he fit in, which position he played based on everybody else. <laughs> because to me, he's that important to how we, we play. Danny Bart. I think he's a nailed-on starter next season. And, you know, he's been fantastic, by the way. I think he was brilliant on, on Friday night as well in, in that leadership role. But who else plays in that in those experienced positions, if you like? And, you know, Corey Evans next season, he's going to miss the start of the season and probably isn't going to be a regular first-team player every week when he comes back. Lyndon Gooch, is he going to be a regular player every week? Probably not. Pritchard? Probably not. So it's whether you keep him, whether he's a strong enough influence around the, the club to warrant a, a contract for another year or two or not. I think it, that's the question. And the the next question is who else is out there who we can probably bring in on free? Because I don't think we'll be spending any money on 28, 29, 30-year-olds. But I think we probably will bring one or two in to supplement that young core of players that we have.
0: Yeah, yeah. and And we've got young players at the minute who, well... You would expect them to be a little bit more durable, Phil. Would that be fair? We've had quite a lot of injuries. I know I know we've had another two during the international break, two young players. Obviously, Joey's done his shoulder. We've had Dan Ballard. Uh, I don't think he'd be out too long, but so many injuries. And they're not all older, experienced lads. Yeah. A lot of them are younger lads, right? So, I mean, like I said at the top, we have, in in a lot of ways, I think we've managed to make the best out of a bad situation by giving opportunities and stuff. But does that fill you with any dread going forward that we've got lads who who have struggled to stay fit this season? I mean, there's another one, Ross Stewart. Fantastic player for us, but he's had two bad injuries. How does that change your outlook, obviously, beyond this season, if it does at all? Does, does it make you feel any differently about next year? Or is it just sort of... We just have to take it on the chin next year, might be better. What what do you what do you think about that? Well, I mean, I'm not I'm not particularly concerned
2: because I think that as you said there, you know, a lot of these lads are quite young and they're still developing physically and they're still really kind of getting their strength up and learning what it's like to play in this division. You know, we all know, Gav, this division is a real slog to go through. You know, the schedule is 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 merciless. It puts a lot of demands on the players' bodies. You know, you're going from week to week, game to game. It's very, very tough. Um, and I think for young players, I, I do think that, you know, obviously injuries can happen. So, no, you know, I, I don't necessarily think that it's something to be too concerned about. I wouldn't say that any of the youngsters are looking to me to be over the injury prone. I think a lot of it has just been down to sheer bad fortune. I mean, obviously, Serkin, for example, you know, he gets punched in the head and he gets a concussion and he's out for quite a while. That's just bad luck, you know. With Ross Stewart, I actually wonder now whether clubs who would potentially eyeing him up might be... A little bit cautious because he's had two quite severe injuries this season. He's missed a large chunk of the season. And I just wonder, you know, whether clubs here were maybe looking at paying a substantial amount for him. Maybe now we're looking at him and thinking, well, he's not getting any younger. He's not old by any stretch of the imagination, but he's not getting any younger. He's had two bad injuries. You know, is it really worth us laying out that kind of money on him when, you know, other options might be available? So, in a strange way, I think Ross Stewart's injuries this season might actually play in our favour, in as much that we might actually have a greater chance of keeping him but no I, I don't necessarily think that we should be too concerned about the injuries that we 've suffered carrying over in the next season, Gav. I really don't I think that a lot of it 's been bad luck, um, obviously with Elliot Embleton, for example, you know I mean he's a player who was it was looking really, really good before he suffered the injury at home. But on Alex Pritchard, if I can just comment on just picking up on what Martin said there, hmm. I would hand him a new contract without hesitation because I think with Pritchard even if he's a, even if he 's on the bench next season, what Pritchard brings you is composure, game management, experience. We saw it at Millwall when he came on, he helped us get a foot on the ball, kept everyone calm. And I thought his reaction when he went off on Friday night was great because he'd had a really good game. He really wanted to contribute for as much as he could. And he was livid about going off. I'd rather have that than some indifferent waster who walks off with his shoulders something. Well, you know, I've done I've done my bit, I'm going off now. So no, I would keep him, Gab, I really would. I think he's been excellent. In parts this season, You're right, you rightly say, you know, he hasn't maybe had hit the heights that he, he might have liked to have done, but you can't put a price on the experience he gives. So I would definitely keep him at the club for next season and beyond.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm on the fence. If I'm honest, I think it all depends on who's available in the free agent market, who can do his job. Yeah. So if we're looking at, I think one that's been linked quite a lot, and it it might just be an easy link to make, but one that's been linked quite a lot has been Bradley Dack from. Blackburn, for instance, who plays, I think as a number 10, played loads of football under Tony Mowbray over the years, so he knows him inside out. Now, I look at that and I think, is he an upgrade at this moment on an Alex Pritchard? Are they going to have two players like that at the club? I don't think so. I think, actually, when we look at the way we're doing things, they're probably going to try and keep a core of maybe six, seven really experienced but quality footballers at the club and then sort of have the younger players building around them, feeding off their experience and stuff. So, to me it depends on who else we're looking at. Also, how seriously we take promotion next season. This is something we've talked about quite a lot in this pod, but we've got one eye on next season and the expectation levels are going to be greater than they are this season. Not just from the fans, but from within the club. And I guess how serious our ambition is will be reflected in who we sign. I mean, I know that's Apples and oranges, you know, it's, it is what it is. But that that's the truth, isn't it? We're going to see, based on our ambition in the transfer market, where the next season's going to go. So if we give a contract to, say, Alex Pritchard, but maybe don't bring anybody else in who's any better, then to me that's say as well, we're, we're just happy sort of consolidating again. But I don't think he's so important and so good that we couldn't bring someone better in. So I'm... <sighs> I'm torn. I think when you look at a Danny Bart, he's somebody who has proven himself this year and has shown he deserves to be in this team going forward. Pritchard, I'm a little bit less bothered. Although I I don't disagree with anything you said about the value he brings. I think he does. Again, it just goes down to me whether or not we are really serious about promotion next year. And I guess that's not really a, a conversation for now. I'm sure within the club they're talking about it.
1: I would say with, with Pritchard, it kind of depends the the view you have on his role in the team, and whether it's yeah. you're looking at his mm-hmm. on-field role or the the off-field stuff he does, and uh, we we don't know what he's like in the dressing room, on the training field, how important he is behind the mm. scenes. And I think that's a uh, that's that bit that we don't know. So we're we're making a very sort of blinkered judgment on him as a footballer and his role in in the side. And I think you know if you're just going off that. You probably wouldn't give him a contract because there's so many other players who can play mm. in those attacking midfield positions. But the other stuff that he does around the club, off the field, with the younger players, that we we don't see, and I think it's it's kind of hard to then make that sort of definitive call on it. And that's yeah. when you know that's when you know players like Lyndon Gooch get a contract at the end of last season. Some people might go, "What? I don't understand why he's been given it based on what we see on the field, but around the club." There's so much value that people
2: bring to it that you you can't just look at it from from one dimension.
0: Hmm. I think
2: that you know, in terms of the standards that Pritchard sets, I mean he is a you know, he's a very, very committed pro. We know that. And I think that, you know, the off-the-field stuff is just as important because I think he's someone who the younger players can look up to, really, he's someone who, you know, who's been around the block, he knows the division, he knows exactly what it's like to compete in this division. And I think for a young player, I think that's really important. I think you've got to have a sound board as a young player. I think you've got to have players in the dressing room who you can look to for advice, for guidance, you know, both on the field and off it. And I just get the sense that Pritchard really is that type of player. So I absolutely see where you're coming from, Gav, you know, regarding possible upgrades on him and so on and so forth. I absolutely take that point of view. But I would like to see him stay because I really think he can contribute next season.
0: Yeah, well, on the on the game and on recent results, we're seven points off the playoffs. Or seven points off fifth, actually, who who, which is Millwall. Yeah. We've picked up. Bear in mind how we were talking about this mini runner games beforehand. We've picked up five points from the last four, which to me represents a really good return. I wasn't expecting anything more than maybe one, especially given the form before it. At the at the weekend, obviously, result kind of went our way. We had um, Preston, Luton, Sheffield United, the only teams in the top half who won. So. It begs the question, I guess, Martin, how do you feel about the rest of the season? Is it still possible for something to make the playoffs? Or are we just going to have to take it one game at a time? Because seven games, there's not a lot of football left to play, but there is enough football left to play to suggest that we've got a decent run coming up with winnable games. And if we win the next two, people are going to be talking about the playoffs again. You just know it, aren't they? I think we've got to
1: take every game as it comes. And I think it's still a possibility. Yeah. I think it's yes to, to both of those. I know it's a, it's a cliche, isn't it? But we just go into the next game, pick a side to play against Hull and hopefully get three points. I think you know we, we've we seen this season where we've had home games that we think are winnable and we, we've come a little bit unstuck and then we, we go away to Norwich and, and win. We pull off a, a draw against Burnley that nobody really saw coming. So we know we can't really predict with any certainty the results that we, we get this season. But on paper, we've got a nice run in and I think that's a nice thing. We can be completely relaxed. There's no pressure. No, there's no real expectation of making the playoffs. There's a hope, there's a chance, but there's no expectation. And I think we will see Tony Mowbray sort of freshen things up a little bit in, in terms of personnel, give, giving players a chance. He, um, he said a few weeks ago after the Burn the game, he would be looking to, to do that. And obviously he started doing that really on, on Friday with Ekwa's selection. And I think we'll probably see um, Lahadji get a start at, at some point over the next two or three weeks. And let's see where it goes. I think that's a nice thing and it's it's probably nice for the players. There's no pressure. But if we get you know three wins out the next four games, then perception's gonna start to change. We're gonna be looking up and then the, the pressure might might come a little bit more, mightn't it? But mm. it's um it's I think it's a really nice position to be in. I think you know, if again at the start of the season, if you've given any of us this chance, where you go the last seven games you'll be comfortable, you won't be involved in a relegation battle. And you'll be however many points off the playoffs. You go. I'll bloody well take that. I'll have that. <laughs> so it, I think it's a great position to be in, and it's, it's nice and relaxed because like if if we were in the playoffs now, the expectation would be that we'd finish there. So the pressure's ramped up for every game, and now we're kind of you know it's running in that position that we're in. There's a chance. It's not in our hands, but we'll give it a go. And I think it's yeah, mm. it's going to be a good end of the season. It's going to be interesting to watch. It's going to be good for the players.
0: Yeah. Do you dare
2: to dream, Phil? Uh, Yes, I dare to dream. Um, Yes, we can do it. Do I think we will? No. I think we'll fall short, ultimately. But I still think that there are teams above us who, with their greater depth and a little bit more quality in key areas, I think they've probably got the edge in us a little bit. However, what I want to see us do, Gav, is attack every single game between now and the end of the season with everything we've got. Because, A, it gives the players a chance to stay to claim for next season, particularly the youngsters, like Equa, for example. And, B, it gives us a chance. Even if we don't finish in the playoffs, if we can still end the season with some momentum and some forward movement. That sends us into the summer on a high. It also, as well, improves our chances in the transfer market because potential incomings could look at us and they could think, right, someone's a club that's genuinely going places. Now, I think we are anyway, by the way. I think even if we finish in mid table I think that represents good progress. But if we can finish maybe just on the fringes of the playoffs, maybe two or three positions shy, I still think that gives us a good foundation. Again, it makes us a really good prospect for potential signings because they can look at us and think, God, there's a club that's really starting to stir again after so many years of mediocrity. You know, they've finished maybe just outside the playoffs. Maybe I can go and join them and I can help them get into the playoffs or maybe even better next season. So again, Gav, I think it's a totally different dynamic than what we've been used to in recent seasons because we've either had either a desperate bid for promotion or we've been battling against relegation for the past God knows how many seasons, haven't we? So to be kind of in that middle ground, if you like, with no real pressure either way, I think he's really, really good. And I think what Tony Moebury is trying to do is, you know, a lot has been made of him supposedly dampening down expectations. But what I think he's actually been trying to do is just take the pressure off the players. I think he's trying to create that space for them in which they can play with a bit of freedom, you know, not having to worry about making mistakes and all the rest of it and saying, look, lads, you've done brilliantly so far this season. You've acquitted yourselves really, really well. If you make the playoffs, so be it. If you don't, you've still got a chance next season and I'm going to stick with you. So. I think Mowbray is managing that side of it quite smartly, Gav. But no, I, I do ultimately think we will fall short. I think we will probably experience some good results between now and the end of the season. But I just think it's probably a little bit beyond us at this moment in time. But here, if I'm proven wrong, it would be fantastic. So, as Martin said, it's going to be a really interesting running. I think the, the best thing that we can
1: do, obviously, apart from storming at the playoffs and winning at Wembley and going up, is just getting a nice run of form that takes us into next season. Yeah. Because you know, if we went in next season on the back of three draws and four defeats from these last seven games, we haven't got any momentum. You know, the, the players are a little bit down, the fans are concerned about what's gonna happen in terms of being attractive to, to players for next season, seeing a team on the up rather and a team that's sort of staggered over the finishing line is gonna be yeah. important. So if we can go into next season on the back of four or five wins from these last seven games, that's a real nice bounce to carry into pre season um obviously going to America in preseason attracting some some new signings and starting next season positively and for Tony Mowbray as well I think that'll be important for him in in some people's eyes because he's done a overall he's done a really good job this season there probably will be talk about his position a little bit of talk about his position in the summer based on some of his, his interviews about the lack of signings and all that sort of stuff and rumors of his relationship with um Christian Speakman whether they're true or not is is another matter altogether so I think it's just important for the whole club just to go into pre-season, go into the the end of this season with a, a nice positive bounce from the last last seven games. and that. I think we'll we'll get it. I think say the pressure's off. Some young players will be given chances that we haven't seen. They'll be wanting to make an impression, and show they deserve a, a chance in the first team next season. I think he's talking about Chris Rigg getting the start at some point. So it's going to be yeah, it's going to be fun.
0: Yes, it will be. And I'm sure um when we get the chance to talk about the whole game, we will. We'll I think the fact that we actually talked about most of the topics around the performance rather than the performance itself is quite interesting <laughs> at Burnley because yeah, like I said at the top, nil-nil doesn't normally fill you with um with a great deal of optimism normally going forward. You're normally pretty bored after a 0-0, but for me it was a it was a game which sort of reflected reflected the way forward for Sunderland, like, you know, We did see a lot of heart determination, grit, players filling in in positions they wouldn't ordinarily play in, but giving it their best effort. And those experienced lads showing a really good example to the others does make you think that going forward, we're just in such a healthy position and it doesn't bother me how we end the season now. I think I would obviously be disappointed if we went and lost every game, but I don't think we will. I think we're going to be really strong. I think we're going to have... Probably more good days than bad because that's just been the theme of the season. And, you know, if you can go to the best team in the division who, let's face it, Sky in particular, were dying for Burnley to win yeah. because everybody knows how good they've been and they, they want the big story. They want Burnley to, to sort of run away with it. Um, It was nice for, for me as a and fan to sit and watch my team go there, not be phased by any of that and just take the game to them and say, you know what it is, we're not bothered how good you are. We've already proven once this season, all right, it was in a 45-minute period, but we've already proven we can take you on. Why not do it again? And I hope that's how we approach the rest of the season. I don't want to see us playing. I mentioned before, we've got a little run coming up of games where I look at it and I think we can quite easily outplay every one of those teams and beat them. The question is, are we going to apply ourselves in the way we did at Burnley and Norwich? And that's the that's now got to be the challenge to the players is we get we have seen all season how good you are, but now you've got a real opportunity to make next season as good as it can be for Sunland yeah. and for yourselves. Because as Martin touched on again there, we've got to look good to a prospective signing too. Right? You know, we we wanna bring in players. We wanna make sure next season that we're in Burnley's position if we can be. And the only way we can do that is by having a good end of the season. Yeah. So, to me, a great result. A, a nice pod to sit and reflect on a bunch of things because I think we're all pretty optimistic. And after that run of defeats we had, what, three, four weeks ago, it's a lot better position to be sat here in. So, yeah.
1: It's interesting, isn't it, with um, the Norwich game and the Burnley game, two games recently I was seeing have been very different. And there's been a, a more pragmatic approach tactically and team set-up-wise. And earlier in the season, Tony Mowbray was very much like, you know, we're just going to put the lads together, no fear, go out and attack. And I think we've actually seen since the Stoke game, understandably so, we've seen a change in how Tony Mowbray has been approaching things. And, he, and he's been trusting players a bit more with shape, with tactics with, um, you know, being I say being a little bit more pragmatic and, you know, soaking up a bit of pressure rather than trying just to go in attack because we saw what happened against Stoke and we simply that simply can't happen again. So I think there's a sign there that Tony Mowbray is feeling more comfortable with the players in terms of a tactical formation, tactical sense, being able to execute a game plan rather than just go out and play. And that augurs really, really well for the future as well. So it's going to be interesting from that perspective whether we actually see a bit more of that over these last seven games, because that gives us clues about next season and how we'll actually approach it. Because if we can get that side of the game right, which we hadn't really tried to do before Norwich, then it's going to be... like That's kind of the missing bit, where you can mm. you know, adapt different styles for different fixtures and go out and, and try different things. And we say, we haven't really done it until Norwich. So Burnley was another great example of that where we did we didn't go all out, you know, try to attack at at every every opportunity and leave spaces in behind. We we were actually very sort of rigid and structured whilst playing on the counter. And you know, we say we hit the bar and had a goal disallowed, and we we came the closest on on two occasions to scoring the the only goal of the game. So Mm. it's it's just been interesting, sort of subtle change in Mowbray's approach to, to things and Again, it'll be interesting how that pans out over the next um, next seven games of the season.
0: Indeed, indeed. Yes, well, like I said before, we'll probably be back with a preview before Hull. Uh, cheers, Phil. Thanks, mate, Thanks for, for joining up. us this uh, late Sunday evening. Late for me and you Not so much for Martin it's Nice and early where he is <laughs> So he's got the whole day ahead of early him Early Monday morning for me man. Yeah. Uh, Cheers mate Thanks for joining us On this Monday morning for you Sunday evening for us Thank you very much uh, Cheers to the listeners Thanks everyone for joining us As always uh, We will be back As I say with a preview No doubt Before Hull on Friday We'll catch you later